what I feel in the room tonight. There is uh, just a great crowd here tonight. Thank you for being in the presence of the Lord on a middle of the week. I like to call it the oasis in the middle of the week. It's just that time to drink in the presence of the Lord and the Word of God. And uh, I, I tell you what we're going to do tonight. Uh, of course, you know the theme we're in, Summer Soul Care. And um, I, I'm going to lean in a little bit to Sunday um, and I'm going to call this, Who Scared My Soul, Part 2. Is that okay? Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, I didn't get to finish my message Sunday, and so you get leftovers. Uh, we, we, we've studied today, and we feel like uh, we're gonna, we can help all of us tonight through His Word. And so I want to ask a few questions and, and things to um, kind of open your mind up here for a few minutes and just see, uh, by the way, Sunday touched a chord for so many people. Uh, I think a lot of us that have dealt with fear are dealing with fear, and um, I have heard stories, a um, number of stories. I woke up to a beautiful testimony this morning from someone that's in this room that um, just emailed me a testimony on their deliverance of, of fear. God's good, isn't he? And and I, I, I give him praise for that. So, uh, so I'm going to ask you a few things, and and I don't want you to feel bad if you answer yes to these. We just want to be able to kind of, like I said, GPS or pinpoint what's kind of going on. So we, But do you describe yourself as a worry wart? You don't have to say amen. But you're kind of a worry wart or a, a control freak or an anxious person. Just naturally, that's kind of... And the truth is, those are all labels for a person that is struggling with fear. And sometimes we don't put that under the category of fear, but it should be. And uh, we're filled with fear. Fear of the uncontrollable. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what people will think, what people will do. Uh, fear of the future. Uh, maybe maybe something I'm mentioning is, is kind of in your interest because you say, man, that may be, or maybe it's a uh, obsessive compulsive behavior. All of these things are, are things are signs of fear. And again, we like to label them things and, 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 and all this, but, but they're signs of fear. And uh, I want to, I want to, how many of you would just one of the things I mentioned, you could say, hey, I'm up in that category. Could you just lift a hand real high? Because I want to just build everybody's faith that they're not crazy ones. And so, absolutely. And so, you've had those, or you've gone through seasons of that, and you've felt that at the time. And I want to say this, fear is not, hear me close, fear is not a sin. But when we are fearful, we often sin. You want to I want you to hear that well. Fear is not a sin, but when we are full of fear... It often leads us to sin. And so we see in the Bible that the people of God make more mistakes in time of fear than any other time. And so the angels started coming on the scene. And the first thing that the angels were saying, you can see it time after time, is fear not. Even to Mary, the, the mother of what was going to be Jesus, uh, when, when the, the stepped on scene, the first thing the angel said was fear not. In other words, we need you to make this some decisions. We, we've got to make some calls, some big things we're about to tell you, but we can't have fear in the process or it's going to mess up this whole deal. And so 
this, is, this is why I believe that's used so much, that statement, fear not in the word of God. And so I want to take you to the story of God's people, and we've used it quite a bit because uh, in the Connect the Dots, we've used the story of the Exodus story of, uh, of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt into the promised land. And I want to use that story, but in a different light, a little bit different light than we have in, through the time in the Connect the Dots and all of that. But as they were coming out of Egypt into the promised land, um, they, God really had them on a walk, on a journey to really call the fear out of them, to, to trust in God. And, and so many times they kept failing the test, and I'm not speaking evil of them because so many times in our journey we failed, we, we failed the test. But they, they, they would fail the test, and, and God would give them another chance and another chance and another chance. But he was walking them, trying to teach them, I need you to trust in me, and when you do, you will not be afraid. So I want to give the context of what I'm going to be reading and looking at for just a minute. Moses is near the end of his life, and he has, he has, um, has them on the border of the promised land. They're, they're at the border of the promised land. And his protege, Joshua, is with him. And Joshua is actually, actually going to be the guy that leads them into the promised land and not Moses. And Moses wants to remind the people of some things that uh, they bummed up on. And he said, hey, I want to remind you of some things. And I want to tell you these things because when, it, when I get you into the promise or when you get in the promised land, I don't want that spirit to be on you. I, want, I don't want you to make some of those same mistakes. And so I'm going to remind you of something that took place a long time ago. And when I, when I do this, I want to make sure that you, you, you let go of some of these things and move in to the next level of, of your life and with freedom. And so, so in that, we get, um, we get Moses talking in Deuteronomy chapter 1. And when he talks in Deuteronomy chapter 1, he's referring back to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 14, or Numbers chapter 13 and chapter 14. He's pulling up happenings that happened, and he is referring back to them in Deuteronomy. So if you're reading through there and you think, man, this story is about is happening again, no, he's just repeating, he's warning them again, hey, let's go to the promised land like we messed up years ago when we tried to go in the promised land. So I'm going to give you a quick summary of Deuteronomy. And uh, just, just real quick, most of this you already know, so we're going to go quick. But God sent Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and where they had been slaved for 400 years. And so Moses in Deuteronomy is talking this out. He's, he's sharing this. He's reaffirming the story to all of the great grandkids and all the new people have come along and tell them this is how we got here. And, and after surviving, he walks through all this, I'm about to say, after surviving 10 plagues in, in Egypt and after an army of warriors in chariots came chasing after the people after they left Egypt. God providing manna and quail in the middle of uh, the desert so that they, they, they were starving for meat and he, and he gave them meat and plagues uh, came on them because of idol worship in their journey and, and, and he's explaining all this and the usual discomforts of millions of people traveling through a desert and he's open and unpacking that but they they arrive at the border of the promised land and he's sharing that there was a time before when 
we tried to go in. And they placed God uh, that had promised to their ancestors. And we knew it was a promise. We knew it was God-driven that we were here. But Moses told them in Deuteronomy chapter 121, he said, do not be afraid. I'm, I'm walking through the story to you, and i got to tell you, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord has told you. Man, he's got this, you know, this commissioning that he has done. Go for it. So, but, but after sending... 12 spies into the promised land. They come back and 10 of them said, if you go in there, it's going to be suicide for, for you. It, it, there is giants in the land. It's, uh, the, the land is a, uh, is, there's indestructible cities in this land with giants in the land. And, and two of the spies, you know, kind of raised their hand and said, not really. That's not how we saw it. We looked at everything through the promise of what God has already given us. And y'all are looking through what you are seeing. We're looking through what the promise that God gave us. And two, two of the men stood up and said, no, that's, we, we can take this. We can do this. But once the, the, um, verdict had come from the 10 spies that saw nothing but but uh, demise for the children of Israel the children of Israel bought into it they bought into this fear and they were overcome with fear and refused to move forward into the land they, they just wouldn't even have it I don't care how much how much we walked and how much <laughs> long it took to get we're not going in the land we're scared half to death and God is not incredibly happy about this Instead, instead, they were so full of fear that they plotted for a new leader. And they said, we need a new pastor. Don't do that. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to fight for yourself in a message, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 he, and he says, they, give us a new leader. Listen to this. That'll take us back to Egypt. And everything that was speaking was, was fear, 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 fear. And Moses told them in Deuteronomy one twenty five, do not be terrified, do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you. Listen to this, as he did for you in Egypt, and he did it all right before your very eyes. He, he's going to, the same God that, did that he's gonna gonna do that he's gonna go before you he's not gonna follow behind you he's gonna go before you and Moses knew that fear had gripped the children of Israel and 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 their minds and their hearts had gone astray and folks isn't it interesting that most Christians kind of have resigned to the fact that we are just going to be people, that this certain fear that has attached itself to us is always going to be attached to us, and every time we get here, it's going to be a tripping zone. And, and, and we've kind of resigned to that, and that, that's kind of where the children of Israel were like, this is going to be a tripping zone. I don't care how much we walk. I don't care how many miracles. I don't care what's been done. We're, we're going to falter again. In fact, somebody take us back to Egypt. Now, you've got to imagine. You've got to understand, Egypt was an ugly place for them. 
For 400 years, I'll get it out here in a minute. For 400 years, they had their backs beat. They were slaves. They were killed. They were destroyed. They were beaten down. And they want to go back to that all for fear. What have you went back to when God was trying to deliver you because of fear? What Egypt did you go back to when you were running well and you turned around and went back, the Bible says to the vomit from which you come, because fear. Just fear, fear, fear. And, and fear can lead us to some incredibly destructive behavior, behaviors. And I, I hope you're taking notes because uh, I'm going to give you a lot of uh, points tonight. And here are some hard truths about fear. Let's talk about some hard truths about fear. Number one, fear convinces us that God does not love us. Fear, and fear does a good job at it too. <laughs> you can be soaring well and have one health scare and think, God, why don't you love me? Come on now. And <laughs> you were living for God all this time, and, and, and boy, one moment, and, and that fear convinced you that God doesn't love you. And, and because we start focusing on that problem, and when we focus on that problem, the problem gets bigger than God. And then, the, and then what happens? What happens? The doubts just come rushing in like a flood. Sandy, where are you at? Sandy Price, where are you at? Where are you at, Sandy? Sandy, stand up just a minute. She sent me a testimony. She told me I could share it, and I'm not going to share her whole testimony. I don't have time at the moment, but I'm telling you, her testimony touched Adina and I about fear when we read it this morning. And she said, please share my story when you feel it. And we will hopefully maybe do a video out of it. It's just a beautiful story. But one of the things that jumped out at me when I was in studying this is how in a moment's time, all those years of you serving God in a moment's time, you felt like God didn't love you. Am I telling the truth? It, 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 was, it was laying on her back, struggling, fear pressing her, pain touching her, and instantly it felt like God didn't love her. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Thank you, Sandy. And, and, and God walked her through that process. But it's in those times of fear that we often question God's presence. We start wondering, where, where is God? We can't see him north, south, east, and west. I don't know where he's at. And his goodness and his power, we know it's there and his love. We, but, but where is he now? And sometimes when that fear hits us, we start doubting his love. There's a gentleman, I'm going to quote, quote him a couple times tonight. But his name is Rob Reimer, and he says that people's greatest question to God is this, do you love me? Do you love me? And I, I'm saying that's one of the greatest questions of God, I mean, of people towards God, but what's driving that question? Fear. Fear, fear, it's so, so a part of us living. Everybody in the room has been touched by fear. And notice how the Israelites begin to question God's love. They, they, the Israelites, they start questioning God's love. And they said in Deuteronomy 127, they said, The Lord hates us. He hates you. He's calling you his kids. He didn't do that to the Gentiles. 
But they're saying the Lord hates us. So he brought us out here to Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. And the next few scriptures just keep going. I mean, they are determined God does not love them because when fear sets in, that's one of the things it starts doing is pulling you and making you think that God doesn't love you. Number two, fear makes us selfish, self-focused. I could really unpack this one, and I was, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say some things that might not need to say. But I, I, the 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 focus is on me when fear starts coming in, and what what could happen to me, and the need to protect ourselves skyrockets because fear steps in, and we we we. We're so driven to protect ourselves that the fear skyrockets. And what it's doing, it's breeding, you don't see it that way, but it's breeding selfishness and self-focus. Is this all right tonight? So, number three, fear often leads us into being controlling and manipulative. And so in times of fear, we start taking things in our own hands and we try to gain control of the situation through our efforts. And so uh, if we're, we want that control, we want that, and we start getting spirits that start attaching to us that, that are manipulative. And so let me, let me show that and walk that out. The Israelites uh, wanted to appoint a leader and uh, from, from among them who would lead them back to Egypt. We mentioned that. And after they realized that God was angry with them, yeah, God, God, God loved them big time, but he was very angry with them for their lack of faith and their disobedience. And so they did something, watch this, controlling and manipulative. They, they tried to enter the promised land and attack its inhabitants without God on their side. They said, we'll do this on our own. And the Bible says God was not with them, and they were chased back to their camp. It, it, it didn't work out good, but when fear comes in and causes you things to be stifled, the next thing you want to do is start controlling and manipulating things. Number four is fear usually believes in the worst case scenario. Can, I, can anybody give me a witness on that? I, I mean, it's unbelievable, and and not only does it give you the worst case scenario, but then it starts infusing you with feelings of despair. So it gives you the worst case scenario, scenario and then it, it, you start feeling those feelings of despair. So let me walk that out through the same story. The fear, the Israelites begin to predict disastrous things. Numbers chapter 14, uh, it gives us great detail on uh, about the... Their, their failure to cross in the promised land. And so we, and we read that all the members of the community raised their voices and began to weep out loud. There was such despair on them after this fear had gripped their hearts. And, and they tried it on their own. And then despair hit them so hard that there was such a weight of oppression that the entire community were weeping aloud. Numbers 14 and verse 2 says, All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron 
And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. We, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. My Lord, they have got it all the way down. They have walked this thing out. They've got the worst case scenarios and fear. Will do. Anybody, anybody had that happen in your life? C come on, somebody. Please be honest for five seconds with me here, right here. Uh, just so, uh, I'm, I mean, fear will walk out the worst scenario single time in your life. And so, but you got to catch that. I'm telling you this stuff, not because you're not human and you'll never experience it again. I want, you to, I want you to know what's going on when you do experience it. Number five, fear reveals our lack of faith in God. And I've already preached on that pretty strong on the Sunday, but I want to make a couple more statements about that and, and something for you to think about. And if you're taking notes, you may want to write this down. We can, we can act on fear or we can act on faith but we cannot act on the both at the same time. I'm going to say it again. We can act on fear or we can act on faith, but we cannot act on both of them at the same time. I'm going to say it another way. We can feel afraid. We can feel afraid and act on faith. We can do that, but you can't act on fear and act on faith. You can feel afraid and act on faith, but you can't act on fear and act on faith at the same time. So I want to say it one more time. You can feel afraid. Everybody feels afraid. It's a common thing in life. And we can't preach that out of us. <laughs> but we can determine on how we're going to respond and act on it. So when you do feel afraid, God's calling us to act on faith. In Numbers chapter 14 and 11, again, I keep going back to story and, and parallel. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them. I have done so much. I've showed them so many things. I've had a, a, a fire uh, by night and a cloud by day just to cover them so they're warm at nighttime and they're covering the sun in the daytime. And I've, I've, I've done miracle. I've turned water into sweet water so they don't because they're fussing about bitter water and, and, and at Mara. And I, I've, I've done this and I've done that and I, I've taken them out of Egypt and I, I've kept their firstborn and I, I've done all of these things and yet they still are holding me at contempt because their faith, their faith is struggling because fear has constant and God's recognizing this fear and sin. Before we go in the promised land and when he's bringing us back in Deuteronomy and, 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 and Moses is saying, listen, we walked this out for 40 years. By the grace and help of God, we've learned the lesson that once we go in the promised land, we're going to have faith over fear. So, number six is fear too often ends in disobedience to God. Fear too often ends in disobedience to God. I'm going to use, uh, I'm going to use a statement here. Or, or, um, I heard, uh, I, saw, I saw a five-minute video today of, of a, a, a pastor in uh, D.C. 
And in that video, I didn't even know what it was about. I just, I like this guy, and so I was watching the video. And he made a statement about being a writer. He's a f famous writer. Um, uh, he, he wrote the book about circles and all that kind of stuff, Mark Batterson. And, and he made a statement. He said, um, he said, if God's called you to be a writer, it's a God calling to be a writer. If you don't write, you're being disobedient to God. But what's stopping you, he didn't say this, but I'm walking this part out, what would stop you from being a writer? Fear. Because when fear steps in, it leads to disobedience. And so when you feel yourself being disobedient to God, look at what the root and what's driving that. So, Number seven, because of fear, we may lose our destiny, what God's destiny, what he's called us to, and the great things that he has for us, fear can squash that also. God's judgment on the disbelieving and the disobedient Israelite was this. Let's look at Numbers 14, 23. Not one of them will ever see the land I promise on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. The fear drove you to lose your faith. It turned and drove into disobedience, contempt against God, and all, and all of a sudden, they lost their destiny. What they left Egypt to do was go into promised land, and now they're not going to get to go to promised land. Their entire, all of their ancestors, and, and, and he's going to raise up a whole other generation that's going to go, but they're not going to get to go. And so the ten spies, those ten spies, I want to go back to those ten spies because it was those ten spies that God saw what they did to the children of Israel, saw the fear that they ushered in, and they all ten were killed by a plague sent from God. In other words, even their destiny was stopped short because of the fear that they brought home. I, I want to stop and say this. If you pick up tons of fear at your work, before you walk in your house, set it down in, the, in your vehicle. Pray to God on the way home and set the fear down. Amen? Don't bring that fear home and put it on your kid. Don't bring that fear home and put it on your spouse. Have faith in God and, and, and lean on to God, and, the, and you need a dumping ground on that. You need a, a place to, to, to wash that stuff off, if I can say it that way. And, and, and a good place for that is in the presence of God. A good place for that is church, the house of God. And, and so... Um, continually let that wash out of your spirit and don't, don't pick that up. So here's some questions for you. How often do we fail to take kingdom risk because of fear? Like really risking it for the kingdom, how often do we not do that because of fear? And I, and I taught, uh, preached on this Sunday, but, but the spirit of fear, again, that kept jumping out at me. The spirit of fear on Sunday. And so that spirit of fear kind of attached itself. And because of it, you're not taking kingdom risk because of that fear. Let me ask you another question. How frequently do we miss out on our destiny because of how we play it safe due to fears? God has a destiny. He's got things for us. And, and he's calling us beyond. He's calling us to that next place. He's calling us to that next stage, that next dimension. That all sounds real spiritual, don't it? 
What does that look like? All those fancy words to describe that. That looks like for pastors, uh, let's just talk about me for a second. Let's talk about for pastors, it's with growth comes obstacles. You ever thought about that? It does. And, and I was talking to my brother this uh, today and, 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 and hearing what's going on with their church and trying to build a new church. And to be honest with you, if I'd have let it run rampant, it would have just kind of run fear all over me as they try to start getting the process together to build a new building and what they're going through in the process. And then Brent said, Nathan, I think it's going to cost this much. And I had a slight shudder. Now, that's not us. That's their church. But what I'm trying to tell you, with growth comes stretching and, 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 it, and it gets us out of the comfort zone. Are you with me? I'm using, trying to use my example, but please use yours. Uh, it's, it's growing the business to the next level with wisdom. It's, it's, it's not God going to cover your backside just because you do a bunch of stupid stuff and he's going to, no, no. But it's with wisdom you're, you're growing your company and you're growing your business and you're growing the church and you're growing uh, whatever it may be. For Sean Cass, it's growing your family. And, 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 and we, uh, come on, somebody, come on. That's good. That's good right there. I'm going to tell you, that wasn't in my notes, but I felt it. And felt it. There's some fear that comes along with that, don't it, buddy? Yeah, I know. By the way, uh, Pastor Sean and Theresa expecting a baby now. Come on now. Uh-huh, uh-huh, they got two kids, and I've always beat him in basketball, and he said, you're not going to beat me And how many kids you got. That's what I, I got to Mike, and that may not be true, but we're going to go with it. I took a sw- slight deviation from where we were going there. How many ministries have remained unfulfilled in churches and eternal destinies remain unaltered? Because people in churches, the kingdom of God, remain swallowed up with fear that they just can't do it. Well, I'm sure glad Moses, well, even old Mo, even old Mo had a little moment where he goes, Lord, I can't even speak well. I've got a stutter. I, I've got a lisp. I, 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 can't, I can't speak well. Even Moses tried to talk God out of it because of some fear and almost didn't step into the destiny of Moses and who he is and this huge, huge man in the Word of God almost didn't step in his destiny because of fear stopped him because he had a little lisp or he had a little stutter in his voice. What, what, what has stopped maybe you from taking that step, that God step. Some of you, God has been working on your heart for I don't know how many years and anointed you and blessed you and, and guided you and directed you to, to lead an awesome, anointed, powerful life group. You liked that, didn't you? You want to skip? Uh, He's still mad at me from trying to make him skip at the second service on Sunday. But God's called you to that. I'm not trying to put you under condemnation. I'm saying God's called you. How many people could be blessed 
because of the gifts that God gave you. Maybe some, some deserts that you walk through and some tough moments you walk through like the children of Israel that you gain tons of experience that God wants to use your experience for the glory of God, but yet you're still fearful that, well, it's not my time yet. Well, when is your time? God's calling you for such a time as this. This is the hour. This is the time. This is the season. And so, good stuff. Amen? Back to the guy I quoted earlier, Rob Reimer. He writes, it's, it's often, it is often our anxious, fearful thoughts that precede our sin. If we can catch these, we can prevent many soul disasters. I had to, I had to give that to you tonight. I just thought it was so good. So, what are your root fears? Let's talk about those real, real quick, and we got to wrap up. Here are some examples of root fears, just root stuff. And I'm going to make some statements and see if it rings with you. No one will want me, I'm not good enough. No one will want me, I'm not good enough. No one will want me, I'm not good enough. I see that play out all the time in the world. It's why women are selling their men, men and women are selling their bodies, trying to get them another man or trying to get them another woman because of this lie and this fear it's on them. No one will want me. I'm not good enough. People will lose respect for me because I'm incompetent and inadequate. God can't use me. I'm broken, defective, insignificant, and worthless. Nothing will work out well for me because I'm helpless and defeated. I will always be alone because I'm unlovable. I have to do it myself because I'm the only one I can trust. Bad things happen when I'm not in control. So, I don't know if those are statements that hit you, and, but if so, fear is not of God, and God wants to deliver you from that spirit of fear. So, how does fear get manifest in your life? How, how, does, how does it manifest? How does it come out? How do you, how do you see it bud out of you? Um, maybe you're, how, how is fear expressing itself? That's what I mean by the word manifest. Maybe, maybe it's causing you, one of the ways it's, what it's doing to you is cause you go into hiding. And when you feel fear, that's the way it manifests. It, you go into hiding. Or maybe, uh, it, maybe negative self-talk is the, how it manifests in you. Or maybe imaginary conversations. And that's what it looks like for you. Or maybe anxiety just hits an all-time high or sleeplessness or a short fuse. When you're full of fear, you have a real short fuse or, or you go into things and using things for numbing, to numb you. Or maybe, and this is where we're seeing a lot of happen now, is they feel fear so they're escaping into fantasy. And so, or maybe it's just shutting down. When you fear hits, you just shut down. 
heard something this week that just hit me, but I heard something this week that said um, we, try, we try really hard to keep our four- and five-year-olds downstairs in all of our kids' ministry stuff. And we were talking about this week in staff, and, and, we, and we, it's really important for us to do that. Uh, and up to now, we've been able to do that, and hope, we hope to continue to be able to do it. And we try to find a spot for them downstairs, make sure our four- or five-year-olds downstairs. And the reason why, in our talk and the conversation this week, they said when, a, when, when um, a, an alarm or a, hits, hits a fire alarm or, or whatever maybe hits, a four- and five-year-old just stall out they freeze they just freeze i don't know it's something about that age it's just their their mind's not yet able to comprehend it and so they just freeze and abby uh who's our kids pastor she she literally told of an instance of a five-year-old that just froze and just crumbled at the sound of an alarm in the building and we were talking about that and the uniqueness of that and and, 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 and maybe that's how, I'm not trying to call any of us five-year-olds, but I'm saying that that's how it manifests in you, that you just, when fear hits you, you just freeze, fall apart. And, and I, I think that, that that's easy for, it to, for us to happen, but God is wanting all of us to mature our faith to the point that we're, we're not babes in Christ anymore. And that we're walking this out with health and strength that when the alarms in life come up that we, 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 we go to God and we know the next step and he gives us the next step and we walk that out. And so while we ask if God loves us, God's greatest question to humans is, I've given you my only son, will you trust me? Will you trust me? John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Would you stand with me tonight? It says this, Peace I leave with you. This, this text that I'm about to read, I, I'm, I did a message on it, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago. Time flies, I don't know. But this, when I, when I, the Lord gave me a revelation on this text, it touched my soul. And I taught it on Wednesday night, again, year, years ago. But when I saw this text, it changed my mindset about peace. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. Everybody say he leaves it. Well, I got to pray peace down. I got God, give me peace. Give me peace. No, he says, peace I leave with you. It's already yours. Peace I give to you. It's you. It's just, it's just right there for you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I've got this peace that it's not dependent on circumstances. Look what, look what the deal is. It's dependent on relationship. So peace I leave with you not again not dependent on the circumstance dependent on relationship so if he is handing me and leaving with me peace all I've got to do to connect with it is just relationship with him and God like I said the other day on something else God just make me aware of your peace just make me aware you're with me just make me aware of it I want to step into that 
I'm going to give you three quick things to do to walk out peace in your life and hard truths about fears and just kind of give you some stuff real quick out of Philippians 4, 4 through 7. I'm going to read it real, real quick. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Just, just bring it to God. And look here. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We'll give you three things out of that text. Are you ready? Steps to address in fear. Number one, begin with worship. Be a rejoicer. Rejoice in the Lord always. Fear tries to hit you in the middle of the night. I want you to start thanking God for his goodness and what he's done for you. Don't let that imagination run rampant. Let's stop it right there. Let's stop it. And stop it and say, right here, right here, right here in this moment. It's 2 a.m. It's 4 a.m. Because none of us think real good at 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Are you with me? And, and, and it hits us strong. It hits us hard. And the darkness seems to try to overtake us. Stop. Stop. And in that moment, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I, I praise you. I rejoice in you. I rejoice in the Lord always. And by the way, Nathan Keating, I tell you again, rejoice. Amen? I tell you again, rejoice, church. Rejoice, Parkway. And again, I tell you, rejoice. In other words, I want to do this. I want to raise the hallelujah. We sang it a few minutes ago. What do you do when fear starts trying to come against you? You want to walk out that fear with that imagination? Or you want to stop and say, right here, I'm going to raise a praise the Lord. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord a shout of love. Can you do that? I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. The next thing I want to do is I want to surrender my fears. I want to surrender them. In other words, my fears have to bow down to God. They have to bow down to God. Whatever is, is driving me and driving that fear, I'm going to bring that fear. I've got to name that fear and, and, and put it before God and make it bow down to the one true, powerful, all-knowing, all-promising God who is with me to the end. 1 Peter 5, 6-7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Watch this. He said, Humble yourself and cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But there's got to be an humbling. And what's got to humble itself? It's got to, I've got to humble down all of that junk that's rising up and creating opposition against the one true God. And the third thing, worship, surrendering your fears. And the third thing is being obe obedient. Bringing that act in the act in the opposite direction of your fear. Whatever the enemy is driving and he's pushing, you just got to know that the opposite of that is God's side. Because the, God is not the author of fear. Amen? He doesn't write, the, he is not the author of fear. He is the author of peace and he's already given it to you. Reach out and grab what is around you, what is with you, and is in you. It's the hope of heaven. 
Would you get your hands up, please, right now, and be obedient in the presence of His? Him, not, a, not obedient to me, but obedient to Him. I'm going to rejoice in you, Lord. I'm going to raise a hallelujah to you, Lord. I'm going to surrender my fears to you, God. The spirit of fear has to go. My soul needs the health of peace. My soul needs the health of peace. My soul needs the health of peace. I want my soul to be obedient to you, God. I love you tonight. I worship you tonight. I praise you tonight. Anybody got a prayer? Anybody got a praise? Anybody got a praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Sing it with us. In the middle of the storm, louder and louder, I'm going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Listen, listen. When fear got off of them, they got into a land of milk and honey. What milk and honey is in before you that God has for you that the enemy stopped you from? Come on. I want some milk and honey. I want some milk and honey. And, 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 and I, I, want you to, I want you just to, to reach over and touch somebody around you. Fear is one of those things that we need to feel, feel, literally feel the hand of someone around us praying over us saying, you're not in this by yourself. The spirit of fear has got to go. How many? I want everybody in this room to speak. Just say, in Jesus' name. When you speak the name of Jesus, when you speak the name of Jesus, there is enough power when you speak the name that the devils have to retreat. If the spirit of fear is on anybody in this room, I want you to claim and speak the name of Jesus with authority and power until peace prevails in somebody's life. Thank you so much for being in the presence of the Lord tonight, the house of the Lord tonight. How many of you can say from Sunday and tonight, the Lord is lifting up some, some of that fear out of you? Just, just, I believe God's speaking to our church. And through it, and through it, your soul is beginning to beat again. There's no telling what's going to come out of you as that soul begins to beat with health again. God bless you. I'm excited about being here Sunday. Y'all want to know what's going to happen Sunday? Okay. All right. We'll tell you on Facebook or something. Y'all want to know what's going to happen Sunday? I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I got to tell you. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Y'all are going to hear 
Y'all gonna hear? Y'all gonna hear? Adina Keating. Speak some. And this is what she's going to talk about, and you need to bring your one. You need to BY one. You need to bring your one because we're talking about soul care, and she's going to talk about trauma and how it's affected people and the walking that process out and being healed of trauma in your life that your soul can breathe again. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, the world is full of trauma. People need this message. You need to be here. It's going to bless you. And I'm excited. Lord, put an anointing on her, Lord. Are you going to bring a towel to wipe your sweat and kind of do this and all that? No, no, you're not going to do all that. All right. Well, we want you to come. Be here. Get here early. Let's have a great time. God bless you. Have a blessed week in the name of Jesus.